Praise the Lord. Just before I start the message, just to point a couple of things out for you. We've put the banner up much more in 24, because as I prayed for this year, I believe that's the Lord, the word the Lord gave for this church and for each one of us, that he wants to give much more of himself and the things he's got for us, but he also wants much more of us, (laughs) because it works both ways. That's there right through. It wasn't just for January, that's for the whole year, that promise. And you can pray it, you can use it in your prayers as well. And um, you'll see that the cross is in position. The words love on it. And Easter is at the end of March. And this series, I believe the Lord wanted it to run right through February, which is the month that the world tries to work out what love is. (laughs) Um, So we're going to help them. So you've got, (laughs) that's the message. (laughs) <laughs> and at the bottom there's red the cloth there because his blood flowed down for us so you can meditate upon that take hold of that and hopefully you will be built up on that and the picture I felt to use it's quite an interesting picture because you've got a heart locked onto a heart <laughs> So you can, you, can, you can work that one however you want to. Because some of us love things that we really shouldn't be loving. <laughs> so if you turn the key, you can be unlocked from that thing. Or you should be locked to the thing that we should be loving. So I'll let you play with that however you want to play. Um, and also, um, hopefully you'll get a revelation yourself of God in that. So... The series is called Love is the Key, and my title this morning is going to be God is Love, and I'm going to sit this message on a portion of scripture that the more you read it, the more amazing it is, and really it is the message, so we're going to read it together, it's from uh, 1 John, the letter uh, uh, of 1 John, it's going to go up on the screen, chapter 4, it's going to take us through to 21, it's from the NIV. Oops, a bit of a whistle. So you can read it with me because did you know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God? And if you don't read your Bible out loud at times, try doing it because it's amazing when you're reading the word out loud and it's going in your ears, you don't get distracted and something seems to happen. And it's amazing as well then when you're reading it. I was reading a psalm the other day and suddenly I found myself praying straight off the psalm spontaneously into the situations around the world and people's lives because the word just suddenly starts to happen because your mouth's already moving. (laughs) That's amazing, isn't it? So let's read this together. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. 
But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. A powerful passage of scripture. And I would recommend through this two months, perhaps build that into a daily time of just reading it and meditating on it and each message hopefully is going to build on that and we're going to be taken on a journey I believe into love God's love (laughs) and it is going to enrich us and it's going to also I think set some people free and bring healing also uh, because the word of truth when it goes in accomplishes things the apostle John who was one of Jesus' disciples, so he knew all about Jesus, simply tells us in verse 8 and 16, God is love. He doesn't say that God has love. He doesn't say that God is loving or that love is God. He clearly states that God himself is love. So let's unpack those three powerful words. God is love. And it's not the God of other faiths. It's the God of heaven and earth, the creator of heaven and earth. That God, the God above all gods. The world today has a shallow, media-driven view of love. Whether it be Hollywood movies, Disney films, fiction romance novels, etc., etc., But here's something, a health warning. You must always ask yourself, who inspired the creation of that film or book? And what was the source of that inspiration? Hold on to that word, source. And how does it line up, you need to ask yourself, with God's standards and his word? Because there are some things you see on these films and in telly that they're trying to portray as love. And I can tell you this, this is far off the Bible as east is from the west. Sin, I'd call it. Sexual immorality and debauchery. The Bible says these words. 
we've got to start asking ourselves, what are we watching? And are we questioning it? Because I sense God wants us to get hold of this. He's a holy God. And we're meant to be a holy people. And we're meant to look different, speak different, act different, watch different, go to different places. Not where the world always goes to find its fulfillment and its love. People are searching for true love. I don't think you'll find anyone who somewhere, somehow is trying to find true love, whether it be in a relationship or just in life. Everyone believes that love is important, but love is usually thought of as a feeling or understood as a feeling. Here's a key for you. It must be what you know, not what you feel. It's got to come from what you know and not what you feel. And more importantly, and it's about who you know. (laughs) That root of feelings making the decisions has brought many disappointments in people's lives. And I can put my hand up. Because before I knew Jesus, I was in search of love. You find it in girlfriends, you think. And then your heart gets broken. Well, I'll whisper this because it's children. Sex is not love. Sex is not love. Anyway, why is this? Because they and me, before I found the truth, are often looking in the wrong places at the wrong things or the wrong people to fulfill that inbuilt desire or yearning to be loved and give love. It is fixed in us to love and be loved because it was put in there by God. But it's got messed up. Let's cut through all the false, worldly, fleshly, devil-tarnished portrayals and fluffy feelings and notions and place a great big rock foundation to this very important subject and area in life. God is love. That's it. Start from there. He is the key. And if he's love, love is the key. God is the source of love. And he needs to be the source of the way we live and love. Nothing else will do. So let's have a look at that word source. And I don't mean tomato ketchup sauce, although it's lovely with chips. This is S-O-U-R-C-E. Source. (laughs) A source is a place, person or thing from which something originates or can be obtained, comes or arises, springs into being. It's the root. It also says, a person that causes or provides something. So, a person, God, that causes, well, he created life. He provided life, caused and provided life. That's the something. And out of that, his love, it was all about his love and his desire for a relationship and a family. A source is also a force that gives rise to something. In this instance, God is the force, he's the source, he's the cause. And what is the something? It is his love. God is the source. No one else, nothing else, God is love, is what it says. 
Twice John says it. If we can truly get a hold of this, we will have the key, and as, as Len called it, the skeleton key, but I would call that cross like a, the skeleton key, the master key, that unlocks hearts, the hearts of imprisoned people, spiritually, emotionally, those are held captive, and that includes ourselves. And there are many Christians who are still sitting in church and they are emotionally and spiritually held captive by things that have happened, been done to them, what the enemy's doing to them, etc., etc. And what we need is that key to go in regular and open that door. Well, Jesus has opened the doors, but I think sometimes we need to understand that he has opened the door for us. The world thinks that love is what makes a person feel good. Do you hear how many times do you hear that? <laughs> it makes me feel good. And that is all right, uh, that it's all right to sacrifice moral principles and others' rights to obtain such love. And I'm not going to go into that and get myself in trouble here. But you can change the law as much as you like. You can decide what marriage is, what relationship is, what a man is, or what a woman is. That's messing around with the moral principles and standards that God has set. And I'm going to tell you now, you might feel good, but that's not love. And that's heading down one path. That isn't real love. It is the exact opposite. And I'll tell you what it is. It is selfishness. Because man is wanting to get what man wants and do things man wants to do, how man or woman wants to do it, because that's going to make them feel good. But the whole thing and the way they go about it, and we've seen it, we've all experienced it in our lives, and I was like it probably myself before, uh, is selfishness. And God is not that kind of love. Real love is like God. That's where we have to keep looking. And what is God? He is holy. He is just. He is perfect. And if we truly know God, we will love as he does. Now you might be asking, what does God's love look like? And that's a good question to ask. <laughs> what does God's love look like? Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 5 verse 5 says this, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Okay, the word love here is agape or agape, some people say, and it's a word which actually Christianity gave a new meaning to, and outside of the New Testament, it really occurs in the existing Greek manuscripts of that period. It is tied in to this particular area of the whole thing that was happening with Christians and the love of God. It is a somewhat unique love. Agape love is an undefeatable benevolence or kindness that always seeks the highest good of the other person how are we doing on that every day and I don't mean particular people I mean everyone <laughs> I don't I think we fall short of God on that one always seeking the highest good of the other person no matter what he or she does ouch It is the self-giving love that gives freely without asking anything in return and does not consider the worth of its object. Agape is more a love by choice, whereas philos, another Greek uh, word that describes other love, is a love by chance. Agape always refers to the will. Philos always refers to the emotions. 
Agape is God's love. It describes the unconditional love God has for the world, and that includes each one of us and every other man, woman, and child out there. Everyone believes, as I said, that love is important. So here we go. Here's another key. True love is a choice and an action and not a feeling. You get feelings out of love, things, but it's about, and I'll explain it all in a minute. True love is a choice and an action. When you know you are loved by God, it doesn't matter how you feel, that doesn't determine you are loved. We may feel nice, loved one day, and not feel it the next. And Len alluded to it. He said, you know, you might be feeling a bit further away from God today than you were yesterday. God ain't moved. <laughs> God ain't changed. If we're going on feelings, oh, my wife's not talking to me today. I feel she doesn't love me. That's not going to work, is it? Feelings lead us astray. It's what we know. And I'm not going to look deep into that part this morning, but it will help to look at 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 to 7. That whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 13 is about love. But 4 to 7 looks at this whole thing of choice and action. And Paul is the one explaining it. Here's another question we're probably asking ourselves. You still may be asking, but what does it really look like? God is love. He is the source. Now we look at another amazing word, embodiment. Embodiment. Now, embodiment is a tangible, visible form of an idea, of a quality of feeling, of some, someone's nature or the essence of it. So the representation or expression, this is what embodiment, the representation or expression of something in a tangible or visible form. So the representation or expression of something, love, in a tangible or visible form, Jesus. Remember, true love is a choice and an action, is what I said. Now I'll build that into the scriptures. Choice, God's love. Deuteronomy 7, verses 7 to 8 says, The Lord, this is Moses speaking to the Israelites, The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you, there it is, choice, because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all people. God loved Israel simply because he chose to. He created the heavens and the earth because he chose to. He put man on here because he chose to. And where was he doing that from? Love. <laughs> the Old Testament records many actions from God expressing his love to Israel and he still is and will forevermore. So when you watch the news, just remember, God still loves Israel. And he still will love Israel this time next year and into eternity. No matter what the politicians are trying to do or say, God loves Israel and the Jews. And that love is the same for us. We were brought into it as Gentiles, yes? God chose you and me, it says in the Bible, before the creation of the foundation of the world. The scripture in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 4 and 5 says, in love, look at that. Paul saying this, in love, God predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, 
according to his pleasure and will. That's all about choice. Action. He's actually created it. Before we were in our mother's womb, he knew us. Jeremiah chapter 1. He says, before I, God, formed you in your mother's womb, Jeremiah, I knew you and I'd already decided what I was going to do with you and what you were going to become. You should be feeling fairly secure in that. Here's another question we're probably asking or people will ask or say. Do you feel unimpressive as a person or unseemly or seemingly unlovable? Do you ever feel like that? That you're a bit unimpressive and probably unlovable? (laughs) Take heart today. Israel was nothing special and they messed up many times and they didn't influence God to love them. He loved them of his own volition and choice. He created them as a nation. He made a covenant with them as in marriage. He declared he would never leave them or forsake them. God. (laughs) God said through Jeremiah the prophet in 31 31, uh, verse 3, chapter 31 verse 3. He says this, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With, un- with an everlasting love, with unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. And he's still doing it. Who's initiating this? God. Who is doing the work here? God. Who is the source? God. You can't get round it. <laughs> it's one thing to say we love someone. It's quite another to show it. All the time. But God does. God's love for us and Israel is unchanging, consistent, inexhaustible, and unconditional. It's complete. It's unselfish love. Love without strings attached. How many people have been in relationships and there's a lot of strings seem to be attached? Hey? This love is freely offered, not based on what someone does or doesn't do. You might be saying, I think I've messed up, God can't love me. That's a lie of the enemy. Or what someone might do in return. It's no good trying to love someone because you're going to get something from them. That's not it. Or how they look, or how rich they are. I was thinking about this, you know. I mean, Cecile's there. I don't know if I'm quite the knight in shining armour that I first was when I rode into her life. And I think my body may have changed a little bit. Some things may have sagged a bit and things. And if she was going, it's not the same. No, I don't feel I love love you anymore. I think I'll go down the garage and exchange you for a new model. That's not love either. You simply love the person and want nothing more than their happiness, regardless of what happens. That is unconditional love. Basically, you're out of the picture. Basically, you just want to love them and serve them and love them and serve them. This could be a good marriage class, couldn't it? I bet a lot of people would be really squirming, (laughs) including me. Here's a great example, and that was already quoted, Len. John 3.16. You want to know what love looks like? For God so loved the world. I put brackets here. He had chosen to create this world to have fellowship and relationship with people, mankind, to pour out his love to them, 
a family, children, and he weren't expecting it back. He didn't say, I'll do it if they, if they love me back. He is just pouring out of himself because he is love. But we all know what happened. It all got messed up by a jealous, selfish angel. Anyone met anybody in their lives who's been jealous and selfish? Well, guess where that's coming from? Lucifer, the devil, Satan. Remember, I've said it, God is love. True love. It's manifested by God in and through choice and action. Choice and action. He sent his only begotten son. The son of God, known to us as Jesus. The embodiment of God himself. So if you wonder what it's like, look at the cross. Look at the name Jesus. Read about Jesus because there is love in person. Love in person. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In John 14, 9. He says, I only do what the Father is doing. John 5, 19. Well, if he's only doing what the Father's doing, guess what he's doing? Loving. Because he's God. Why? John 10, 30 says, I, Jesus, and the Father are one. The tangible representation of God was now on earth. When Jesus came, he was visible, touchable, and real. He was displaying and manifesting and demonstrating God's love. I'll say it again. Jesus is and was at that time love in person. God saying, here it is. Jesus is our example of what it means to love. Everything he did in life and death was supremely loving. And I would urge you to go back over Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and read all the bits about Jesus. Because if you want to know what love love looks like, then you'll find it in lots of those accounts, how he operated. And why has all this happened? That none of us would perish. (laughs) God doesn't want any of us to perish. He doesn't want any man, woman or child going to hell. The only people or things, created beings that should be going to hell are the fallen angels. And everything God is doing is saying to every person on this earth, I love you, I love you, I love you, I died for you, I love you, please come back to me, please come back to me. That's the cry of the heart of the Father. Come home, come home. There's a song there, isn't there? Sinner, come home. <laughs> he wants us to have eternal life, to be united with God, our Creator, our Heavenly Father, our Source, our everything. Be united with true love, because God is love. John fifteen thirteen. This is Jesus speaking. Greater love has no one than this, that He lay down His life for His friends. And He says, "You are my friends." Wow. God chose to send His Son. That was action. Choose action. His son chose to come and he came. Action. His son Jesus chose to die on the cross for us. Action. He rose, ascended. He and God chose to send the Holy Spirit. Action. God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, chose to come again. Action. He chose to fill people, mankind, the disciples, with himself and us. Action. There can only be one outcome. One true outcome in our lives when we choose to make God our Lord and Saviour and repent from our sins is salvation and redemption. And we are brought right in to that love. 
Then having been filled with God's Holy Spirit, the very essence of God, the nature of God, the power, the enabling of God, there's going to be action. That has to. Listen to Steve's message again last week about the flow, the outflow. The outflow, there has to be action. I said it on those scriptures, if we don't love somebody, we're not in God. That's a bit of an ouch, isn't it? John 15.5, I spoke on this at the beginning of January. Abiding in the vine, continually connected. The Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, are continually experiencing this fellowship all the time. That oneness, that togetherness, that wholeness. And Jesus said in 10.38 in John's Gospel, The Father is in me, and I in the Father. And at that time, he'd also got the Holy Spirit in him because he's now ministering on earth. All three elements there all together in each other. John 14, 10, uh, that Jesus prayed in John 17 that we would all be one just the same way. And he says, may they, the disciples and believers, also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Here's the essence of it all. That the world is going to believe that God sent Jesus is going to be seen by all this outflowing of the nature of God in his people. The world will begin to believe when they see the nature of God manifested fully in our lives and experience it as we abide in the vine, Jesus, who is love, tended by the vine dresser God, who is love, with the sap, power of the Holy Spirit, flowing through our lives, who is love, fruit will become evident. It has to be, because that's what comes out question how can we do this as a way of life because we mess up don't we how do we do it It says the holy spirit gives us the power to love god's way he lives in our hearts and makes us more and more like christ the holy spirit's job is to reveal jesus christ to point people to jesus christ to bring conviction of sin and to draw people to jesus not us we just need to love people (laughs) We cannot do it of ourselves or think we can or use the world's methods. I'm going to tell you this now is a tough one. I think the audit that will go on in the church with the Holy Spirit in days to come, a lot of the things that some churches are doing will disappear because the world has crept into the church, whereas the world, the church should be creeping big time into the world. You need the Word, you need the Spirit. If you work with those two things, you should keep on track. Gimmicks only last so long, but the love of God and conviction and change lives, that changes things for good. We have to submit our lives, hearts, daily to the Holy Spirit. We'll keep beating this drum. If you have not been filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and speaking in tongues so you can talk to God, spirit to spirit, in a way that is not our brain and our thinking, then you need to be because you're not fully tuned in. The Bible tells us we need to be filled continuously. That's daily. As we get to know Him, God, as we get to know Jesus, but more so if we get to know the Holy Spirit much more in 24 and rely on His power as we reach out to others, we will not only gain confidence 
as what Paul says in Romans 8.16, the Spirit himself testifies, he bears witness with our spirit, he assures us that we are the children of God and we sang it today. Not only will we gain that confidence, but we will just ooze it. We need to be in the place of knowing. This is where I wanted to get to. Not feeling this to be true. Please pray about these words and the scriptures and say, Lord, I need to know this. I need to know it in my knower. <laughs> There's a bit in us called our knower. <laughs> it's our spirit. If you get to know in your knower, you know that you know that you know that you know, know that God is love and you're a child of God. But I don't feel, um, you know, people say, I don't feel I'm loved by God. You shouldn't be saying, I don't know I'm feel by God. The statement from your mouth on your worst day, in your most pain, in the most disastrous situation, is I know that my God loves me, that I'm loved by God. You should be able to just say, I know I'm loved by God. And the devil says, no, you're not, because you've sinned. You say, I am loved by God, because the word tells me so. He loves me. He loves me. I know he loves me. And when your body says, I don't feel like he loves me, you can say, rubbish. Can I tell you this? AI is not love and never will be love. No robot will ever be able to do what God does. Hasn't got a spirit. So anyone who's got fear of AI... God, nothing, no man is ever going to replicate love and the spirit. Never. And if you get confronted by a robot, start talking to him about Jesus and about God and the love of God, and that will probably blow its circuits. Well, it will, because they're not programmed to understand. I do not understand recalibrating. <laughs> Sorry, I digress. January series, I'm just going to recap it quickly because you can see how God's been building this up. Much more in 24, we looked at what abiding in Christ looks like and being planted in him, in the word, having our hearts re, uh, receptive to the seed of the word and giving, including more and more of ourselves to him and checking our hearts and our lives to allow the full flow of God's love to flow from our bellies as rivers of living water. I encourage you to go back over those messages. When we are fully abiding, planted in Christ God and have given our hearts, minds fully to him and the flow is unhindered, much more of God's nature, the fruit will be seen and expressed to those and by those around us. Hallelujah. You might be saying, but what is God's nature? What does it look like, this fruit? Paul says this in Galatians 5, Read Galatians 5 as another one of your readings to just go through it prayerfully. Verse 16 out of the Amplified. But I, Paul, say, walk and live habitually. Say habitually. Do you know what that means? All the time, yes. In who? The Holy Spirit. Responsive, there has to be a response. To and controlled and guided by the Spirit. And you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh. That's human nature without God. And that contains sin. Verse 17, Paul goes on. For the desires of the flesh are opposed to the Holy Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are opposed to the flesh. 
godless human nature. And when you've got that tension going on inside of you, you can guarantee that the Holy Spirit is saying, I'm not happy with something here, and you need to ask what it is. And I'll tell you, if you are living with your girlfriend or boyfriend, and you are in sexual immorality in that, then you will have some opposition from the Holy Spirit. And you will deny yourself the blessings that God wants to give. We've got to get back to the place where the Word of God says it. And we've seen it slip in liberal stuff into the churches. No, you cannot sleep with your girlfriend or boyfriend unless you have become married, that you've got the license, and then you come under the protection and everything that God has ordained, that you're a married couple, and that is where it should be, and that is where it should remain. Then if you look at 19 to 21, which I'm not going to do, he lists these desires and fruit of the flesh. And boy, there's a big list. Ending with this warning. Those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Ouch. This is the word. This isn't Malcolm's notes. Verse 22 is where I'm getting to as I bring this in now to the close. The fruit of the Spirit. You want to know the nature of God. Well, if it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that must be the essence of God and the nature of God, who is love. You want to know what love looks like in action. Here we go. Number one, love. (laughs) Number two, joy. That's gladness too. Number three, peace. Number four, patience. That's having an even temper, forbearance, long-suffering. How are we doing with our tempers towards one another? Kindness, number five. Goodness, number six. Faithfulness, number seven. Gentleness, number eight. That's meekness and humility. And boy, if you want an example of that, look at Jesus. Self-control. That's self-restraint. And it isn't pick one from nine. (laughs) Our lives should be exhibiting all nine of these fruit if we're fully in God and he is love and he is flowing freely and fully in us. On our worst day, those nine fruits should be on display. Why? Because they're God. And we can't do it. And he said, I know you can't, but I'm going to give you someone who's going to help you. (laughs) The Holy Spirit. And I'm giving you a great big example. Against such things, he says, there is no law, nothing that can bring a charge. Verse 24, he then says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus, do you? If I asked you all individually today, as we had a moment just alone, To help me understand that you belong to Jesus Christ. Have you got a testimony when you actually ask Jesus Christ into your life and ask for forgiveness of your sins and you know you turned from a lifestyle that was not good before and you've changed? Because if you can't say that, we need to have a conversation afterwards. And those who belong to Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who's the Son of God, have crucified the flesh. The godless human nature with its passions and appetites and desires. That's the only way we're going to kill the flesh is through Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit in us and getting hold of the truth of his word and remembering what he did on the cross. As he rose out of the tomb, it was sorted. Verse 25, if we live by the Holy Spirit, Paul says, let us also walk by the Holy Spirit. If by the Holy Spirit we have our life in God, let us go forward walking in line, our conduct controlled by the Holy Spirit. How surrendered are you to the Holy Spirit? 
How surrendered are you to it? Saying, in the morning, Lord, I come to you. I need your help today. Come, Holy Spirit. Get in the driver's seat. Take control. And if you're a backseat driver, that's going to be tough. That is tough because you don't want to go that way. The result was in 1 John 4.17. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Remember, we are all a work in progress, but you can choose to go deeper into God's love and take the necessary action. Choice. Action. I can't do it for you. The person sitting next to you can't do it for you. This is between you and God. The outcome. will We, each one of us, will exhibit, we will manifest and display God, who is love, to the world, and others will be drawn, not to us, by the Holy Spirit, but to God, coming through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the only way to the Father. And we have to tell people that. There is no other way. Ephesians 5, 1-2, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us an offering and sacrifice as God as a fragrant aroma. I put on here, Are you? Am I a sweet aroma? Each day around other people. Or am I a bit grunty? <laughs> or am I a bit awkward? Or do I get a bit angry or ignore people? What's our aroma like? As we walk closely to God and live in this way, we will produce much fruit. That's what God talks about. And fruit that will remain, he talks about in John 15. And we're talking about souls here. We're also talking about character. And that's what God the Father, it says in John 15's chapter, desires. We mature as our relationship with God grows. He knows we're growing. He knows we're a work in progress. When we fall in love, we want to spend all the time we can with that person. Have you noticed that? You want to speak to them all the time, be with them all the time. You suddenly send, well, you might, you used to write letters in my day, but you might send a text or whatever now. But you just want to be with them all the time. Do you feel like that about God? So it has to be with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. God's love makes our love complete because God is love. He created us to love and receive love. You need to experience God's true love to be able to express it to others and fulfill the command to us. And that's the tough one, isn't it? Anyone who loves God must love their brother and sisters. Verse 21 of the portion we read right at the beginning. And this is even more powerful, isn't it? Jesus says this in John 13, 34. Love one another as I have loved you. Love is forgiving. Love blesses those who persecute you and annoy you and hurt you. All is love. God's. That's what he's doing all the time. Have you asked God for forgiveness this week? That's what he's doing all the time. He's forgiving you because he loves you. He wants the best for you. Jesus is our tangible, visible example on the cross. And these are the amazing words he spoke on that cross. After all that had been done to him, God had all this done to him. He says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. 
people, us included, are still battling with flesh. So we don't know what we're doing sometimes. We should do once we become Christians, but the world out there doesn't always know what they're doing. Remember these words of Paul in Romans 5.8. God showed his great love for us, each of us, by sending Christ his son to die for us while we were still sinners. When you look at someone else and think, I can't love that person, just remember, get back to basics, you're a sinner, saved by God's grace, he loves you unconditionally, we all fall short, God is love, Jesus demonstrated it, and the Holy Spirit will empower us to do it. God thankfully doesn't look at you and me and say on a day, no, I can't love that one today. It's just too bad. And look what they did. They put the Bible down and started watching a three-hour film. Instead of reading about me, I'm not going to love them today. Why should I? Does God do that? No. Do we do that? Hmm. Our part is to choose to live his way and to put it into action. Amen.